We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we're going to be looking at the Battlestar Galactica episode, Take the Celestra. Adama presides over a ceremony to honor Commander Cronus, former commander of the Battlestar Riken and Adama's former commanding officer. Cronus is being promoted to fleet commander of the industry ships for his sterling service, getting amazing efficiency numbers from his ship, the Celestra. Cronus is a stickler for military decorum and order. During the ceremony, Starbuck sees Aurora, Cronus's pilot. She is an old flame that Starbuck thought dead at the massacre on Caprica. When he tries to talk to her, she's cold, unforgiving, that he didn't bother to find out if she was alive, and, and as he tries to make sense of what happened, he manages to jeopardize his relationship with Cassiopeia. Aurora leaves Starbuck to return to the Celestra, but unbeknownst to him, she's up to something sneaky obtaining navigational data from the Galacticus computers without proper authorization. Starbuck cannot leave well enough alone. Apollo attempts to talk him out of heading to the Celestra to talk with her, but instead he gets talked into going along. On the Celestra, Aurora, her current lover, and a team of technicians sabotage the ship, take weapons, and attempt to secure a shuttle. The Celestra stops for repairs, and since they're minor, the fleet continues on. The rebel plan fails when their element of surprise is lost, and Apollo and Starbuck arrive unannounced. They are defeated, imprisoned, and Cronus orders Apollo and Starbuck return them, and himself, to the Galactica to file formal charges. Now Cronus's executive officer, Charka, sees his opportunity to take permanent command of the Celestra. He and the bridge crew supply Apollo with the wrong flight coordinates a course which will take them far away from the fleet and out of range of return or help. When they reach the point of no return, Chaka orders a ship to go dark and, using the now-repaired engines, heads to rejoin the fleet. On the shuttle, Aurora tells a tale of slave labor aboard the Celestra. The rebels thought that the whole fleet was like that, but Cronus was completely unaware as it had been Chaka's doing all along. With the help of the rebel technicians, they rig up a way for the Celestra to return, and out of fuel, Apollo and Starbuck manage to land the shuttle and attempt to take the bridge. During the battle, the ship is plunged into an uncontrolled nosedive, which Cronus sacrifices his life to correct. Apollo, Starbuck, and the rebels are victorious, and Chaka is, and his evil little band are put away for good. The Galactica crew gathers again to honor Cronus, this time in death. Meanwhile, Cassiopeia forgives Starbuck. So, um, I saw you were in Los Angeles this weekend. Yes, I was. Oh, uh, give it a plug. Give what a your plug? Pod, your podcast. Oh, podcast. I know that's what you're. Oh, oh, well, yeah, we were there for the two gigs. We, we were meeting our publicist and a film director and, uh, also one of our correspondents down there for a future Oscar event. So, yeah, that's that was the whole thing. Yeah, I. I we were, yeah, we were, we were doing a lot. Up, so. Yeah, we were. It was, it was a goodwill visit. Hmm. Cool. And where can they find that? At tggeeks.com. 
tggeeks.com. All right. Ah, I guess you can tell we probably might be delaying the inevitable here, but take the Celestra. Uh, <laughs> uh, what do you think? Well, okay, there's this one character. I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, he was working with Aurora. Um, is it, oh, shoot. Come with a D. Is it... Is it the guy with the big hair? Well, I was going to say that the only thing that had more fluff than this episode was that guy's hair. Yeah, I don't know what his name was either. <laughs> it's like Darman or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I even have a comment here. They deserve an award for the best hairstyled slaves ever. Mm. All of them. The whole crew. I mean, fit, healthy looking, clean, effuvulent. Effuvulent? No, no, I don't think it's effluvient. <laughs> Yeah, effervescent hair. I mean, it was... And I was stretching for something to say positive, but uh, there you go. One thing uh, that was yeah. unusual was the opening credits. There was a certain voice that suddenly was back, and I was kind of surprised to hear it. You know, I was wondering about that as we watched that episode. I was thinking, has that been gone for a while? It's and then I realized yeah. we, has been. we've been missing our duty to point that out along the way because i did notice that it was back and i and sadly what i thought was okay if it's been gone and it's back that means they needed time to fill out the episode you it's possible <laughs> like, oh, we can get 30 more seconds if we put patrick mcnee back in uh or whatever yeah. long his thing is yeah okay good i'm glad you caught that because that that did kind of ring in my head and I was completely unsure if that was... Uh... Actually, no, there were a couple things. Uh, and, and from a story standpoint, this is pretty by the numbers, right? I mean, yeah. there's not much to recommend it here. But there were a couple things that, that I wanted to, to call up. The first off is the ceremony that they had at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like no set we've seen on the Galactica before. Not much of a set, really. I mean, I think just a couple of but risers. Huge or room, overhead camera shots. Um, you know, they had like a crane shot from above over over uh, Ty and Cronus and stuff. It's like, this is doesn't look like Galactica. It, no. it, it felt different. And when they got to the engine room on the Celestra, I think they were using green screen maybe to try to make that look like a huge room. I think, I don't think it was green screen or blue screen. Uh, I think Could have been it, a mat. I think it was just uh, a tarp. Yeah, that, it, it that could have been something. It just because it I, didn't. I, I've feel seen right. that. Um, uh, I've seen that used even today. Uh, I, I did a, a visit of Universal Studios a few years back, and they just wanted something to show uh, outside what was supposed to be the window of this one set, and it was a painting of a skyline. Yeah, it, because it's two dimensional. You don't you don't necessarily realize it, but they can they can throw a two dimensional backdrop behind there, and and you. And, you Mm -hmm. If it's shot right, you can't tell. And considering that everything was very low def? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, Space 1999, all of the mountains oh, behind Moonbase Alpha, yeah. those are all those yeah. are all cardboard Yeah, paper just stuck back there. But they look very convincing, all I mean, things Yeah, they, they look fine for you know the television sets of that day. Even if you had what was considered to be a large screen color TV, uh, even then it would have looked fine. But on a high definition television like like you and I both have in our own homes, it's it's pretty clear that this was just some kind of artwork. Yeah, it was something missed. But it, I I didn't look, but I feel like it may be 
may have been a different director or maybe a different DP. Uh, I, I don't know about the direct. I don't know about I. Really, I don't know about the director of photography. The director was Daniel Holler. Um, as far as the dir- the, the DP, oh heavens, I have no idea. It's just I know the cinematography. Felt- oh, it was Ben Coleman. He was the director of photography. I don't know if he's the regular one in uh, in all of the Galactica episodes. Um, I can't. yeah, it just it just yeah, he he's done a number of them. He's did he was the okay. uh, DP for ten episodes. <laughs> Well, somebody was trying something different today, and they just—I uh, I don't know. I, well, yeah, it—it was—it was noticeable. It was interesting because they had that huge set for the or huge empty space, however you want to look at it, for the for the uh, uh, ceremony. I'm kind of surprised they didn't reuse it for the funeral. Mm. You know, it's like that's a, a kind of an odd choice. So you had that space open and available, then why not? Why not use it again and make it a big? You get to shoot it all at the same time. <laughs> but anyway. Um, so, here's what I found interesting about the show. It's really poorly fleshed out. There are industry ships. Yeah. There's stuff going on, right? So, we, we have this kind of, um, oh, there's a sort of Israelites uh, wandering the wilderness aspect to, to this story where... You know, traveling out across the stars in unknown space. And it's really easy to think about it as being sort of nomadic people. But they've got high-tech homes and stuff that they're carrying, just like the agro ships. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a very different... And if they have industry ships, do they have uh, an economy? Mm. How, how, does, how does that work? I mean, obviously, it's profitable... For Charka to run a slave ship. So there must be money coming in that's not getting to the slaves hmm. <laughs> that, you know, he's he's taking. And where do they get their raw materials? Do they, you know, do they have a foraging? I, I find the whole idea of how you would set this up and, and how, how you survive um, a fascinating area that I wish they would have explored. But I know they won't. No, of course they won't. And I think, uh, again, this goes back to you know, things that we've said about science fiction at that time, or at least the people who were programming it, not really thinking that they had an audience that could look at things with a critical eye. And they were probably just putting these episodes together, thinking, oh, no one's going to question this. No one's going to be wondering. You know, they're just thinking about the the surface issues, if you will, you know the whole bit about these the slave labor force, Charka, Chronos. Uh, I mean the whole bit. The, the, that's what everybody's what they think everybody's going to be interested in. They they feel oh who's going to care about the kind of society that they come from? Well you know guess what if the society doesn't withstand any kind of scrutiny then the whole story sort of falls apart. It is uh, it is set dressing for it. Uh, it is said. This is one of the reasons that I, I really, I don't know if I've expounded upon it here, and I'm not going to expound upon it now. But I mean, this is one of the, the reasons that I really like the TV series or the books, for that matter. But the TV series, The Expanse, it, and I'm not an economy nerd by any stretch of the imagination. But when I watch that, I feel like you can understand why people do things that they do to make a living and why the opportunity, you know, it's kind of like the gold rush and, and the, the, the front, 
tier expansions where you know it's it's a get rich thing and it's it's hard work and it's uh and it led to different ideas and different cultures and different things and and it it adds a tapestry to it that can help drive the story drive the motivation of the characters and here we see them the character's motivation is that they are slave labor but this is not well thought out Mm -mm. but it could have been right they could be exploited workers Mm -hmm. and and they would have to be a lot grubbier and not well groomed but yeah, but that doesn't look pretty on primetime sci-fi. Uh, well, and I, I don't want to call it primetime sci-fi. Primetime space opera. It it doesn't yeah. look good. So, I, you know, missed, opp- missed opportunity with Battlestar Galactica. There are a number of missed opportunities. Here is another one. So, um, it would be remiss of us to fail to point out that Starbuck is being an idiot yet again. Oh, yeah. Big time idiot. Is Apollo right? Is is Starbuck trying to distance himself from Cassiopeia because he's he's too close to her? Well, That's know, what everybody keeps saying, well, but is that really it? Well, the thing that really got me is that I I kind of felt that it, it sort of looked like that. And what we were seeing was the same thing that he did at the beginning of the series with Athena. Mm-hmm. It would have been nice to have had that addressed as well. Uh, it would have given Star, uh, Apollo's argument greater credibility... But there it is. But yes, I, I felt that, that was, that's kind of what it was going on. Uh, and, and I think there's also the case that Starbuck just has a wandering eye. I guess, I mean, I try to put yourself in that situation. And, and somebody you used to be in love with. And I'm guessing the argument here is that he was, quote unquote, in love with her At the when time. the attack occurred. Yeah. So well, no, this didn't you know, end with them been, breaking up. It had well. Then where does Athena fit into the picture? That is a darn good question. Or is Aurora just one of many women that Star? Or did they just not think about it? But <laughs> I'm going to go with that one. Yeah, I think it's that one. But so that but let, let's just let's go with it and say, take it for face value that. He was concerned enough about Aurora at the time of the attack that he went to her house that night to find out if she survived. Mm-hmm. And it was wrecked, and so therefore she's dead. And we didn't see a moment's grief on Starbuck. But Why should there be? He's got Athena but, now. He's got well, Athena. I'm not letting that one go. I'm sorry. Because like, that, that is a major gaffe, in my opinion. But then once again, you've got these showrunners who feel that the TV viewing public is not going to put two and two together. But given that situation, pretending, ignoring Athena, and pretending the situation that he, that was the woman he was at least more than a, a bit of a dalliance with, and he thought she was dead. He legitimately thought she's dead. I'm going to uh, attribute this to, you know, went to the house, dead. Maybe there was even a dead smoking body there. And he thought, oh, no. And then that was it. And he's gone on and he had to put it all behind him. She shows up alive on the ship. Mm-hmm. I can't exactly blame him. I mean, I no, can't not exactly blame it. It's like, you have, to, you have to go talk to her. You have to... Well, if you to, thought, to, well yeah, but, of course. Especially if you think that's, that there's, this person has been dead all this time. Even if this is somebody who you've more or less cut romantic ties with, uh, I, I would have I felt the same. At least to try and get, you know, deal with that little bit of an issue. It's like, okay, my reality has just been changed. So, yes, yeah. the need to want to talk is an important one. I just kind of get the feeling that in the case of Starbuck, 
there was a heck of a lot more going on at that moment. So, yeah. And, and that's that's the thing. So, I mean, if if they weren't playing Starbuck as if he was a, 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 a two-timer, which he is, but if they weren't playing Starbuck that way, I, I would, I mean, Cassiopeia should understand. Apollo should understand. It's like, of course, you need to sit down and have a coffee with her, right? Go out to the Starbucks and have a cup of Joe. That doesn't work. Well, in Apollo this universe, does it? Didn't <laughs> Apollo, Apollo didn't understand it? Oddly enough, Cassiopeia kind of did, and and I think the only reason she did sort of understand it is because she was that other woman, right? Yeah, right. And of course, she was you know um, <clears throat> had some yeah experience uh, <clears throat> turning it on and turning it off, if you will. Um, and here's here's one. So Aurora. She's upset. She's she's bad at Starbuck. Starbuck, her boyfriend, presumably, didn't mm-hmm. bother to check. She didn't look. He didn't look in the computer database for the fleet and find out that she was still alive. I, I can understand why she's upset, only for about thirty-five seconds. Yeah, and then the thought hits me and goes, uh, "I mean, Starbuck's on the flipping TV as Warrior of the Year. What three weeks ago? Four weeks ago?" You knew he was alive. Where were you? Why didn't you call him? Well, I think that obviously, well, not obviously, but they do kind of talk a little bit about it later. There is a really ugly misconception on the part of the slave labor. They really seem to think that everybody is in and knows about the bad treatment. And so she's... she's, Well, it kind of got the feeling that she was blaming Starbuck right alongside... Everybody else, you know, you knew about it. You knew what was going on. Therefore, you're guilty of how badly I'm being treated. I mean, it's a very, very bad rationale, but I kind of got the feeling that's where she was coming from. Now, a yarn along, but the night of the attack, when they were all fleeing onto the refugee ships, and they were all filling out their paperwork and saying, hi, I'm so-and-so, put me on the database and whatnot... There had to be a period of time where everyone in the fleet was trying to make connections with people that they were closely tied to, right? Mm-hmm. Before they got, before they fell into the slave labor, before they ended up being, uh, before Chaka figured out how to, you know, probably before Adama had even put Cronus in command of the ship, because you know they're still just getting everything they can fly and get everybody on it, and so yeah, it doesn't. Uh, it didn't. It didn't fly. It didn't fly with me. I, at first, I'm like, yeah, that sounds like Starbuck. I mean, he had Athena and he had Gassiopeia, and 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 if you, Boxy is to be believed, he had all those other girls that he named off too in yeah. that one episode, right? Remember that one? And then there's this, and then you know. let's talk about Cassiopeia and Sheba. Obviously, getting to be friends. That's not surprising. I would have expected it. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. You know, but we've got we get a chance to see the two of them thinking about love and relationships in this in this bit of soap and i i want to say cassiopeia is kind of um she's kind of got it together right yeah. this is not about possession i and i want to own well, like I said, starbuck she and- was the other woman and also having been a social leader in a previous life, shall we say, I think she's got a better perspective on this than anybody. So, yeah, she she's the far more mature of the two in that relationship. Um, but she does know how to play him because she makes him think she's going to the theater with somebody else. And is it a shame? 
is it a crime? That's not the word either. Is it is it a bad reflection on Starbuck that it never occurs to him that Cassiopeia isn't going to go with somebody else, even though she teases him with it? Did you think Cassiopeia was going to go with somebody else? No, I never did. So when she teases it, and she's like, oh, I got two tickets, I want two tickets, I'm going to go to the thing, give me the two tickets. I said, I'm going alone. I mean, I suspect that she probably has a few guys who are interested in her. Um, I mean, after Starbuck killed Omega last week, I'm sure that, you know, too many suitors are interested in, in her, but uh, it's because he's a bit of a killing high head. But uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Sheba, on the other hand, very traditionalist. Oh, absolutely. You got to tell him. And you gotta make him not go, and you gotta. It's like, well, you're your father's daughter. <laughs> so anyway, um, I don't even know what there is to say about Charka. Um, just, I looked it just up. A cheapo, with an R. Just a cheapo opportunist. I mean, just just a slime ball. And uh, I I do appreciate that he got dissed pretty good there at one point. With uh, you know, someday you'll be ready young whippersnapper but yeah. uh yeah. not today not today so i did a little research first off one Cronus was a commander of the Battlestar star raycon sorry r-y-c-o-n raycon yeah adama was once his aide to be fair the difference in their ages doesn't seem like that much but i guess not at this point i guess if you were the aide to the commander of a, so is is ty adama's aide or is somebody else like Omega or something? I do. You know, I don't. I you know. I don't think either of them are Adama's aides. I think that's it. That that's a completely different position. Like you know, a captain's yeoman or something like that. Okay. So then we would expect them to be a, a more junior officer, I, I as opposed to Ty, who is yeah. a senior officer, but absolutely a more junior senior officer, right? Kind of thing. Okay. I mean, I, so. I would not expect the aide to be a bridge officer. The aide is the aide to the commander or whoever that aide is assigned to. Uh, Omega and both Ty are obviously both bridge officers. I would, I don't even know if Adama even has uh, an aide at this point. I, I would probably think that he does. It's just not anybody we've ever met because it hasn't been germane to the story so far. And he's not standing around aiding him. No. In any way. <laughs> okay. I did. You know how I, I hate doing research for the podcast, but I, I did look one thing up. How many of the battle stars were named in the course of the series, and what were their names? Oh God! Um, I have it written down, so I'm cheating. But I can only, you know, not Galactica, notwithstanding, I can there only are seven others. Yeah, but were they? Oh, I'm sure they were named. I think we have seen their names. We, there was the Atlantia. Yep. That's the only other one that I remember aside from Pegasus, and now this one. Set, yeah, seven apparently were named, um, or had there something shot on them, or as they were flying by. Something. I'm pretty they sure you a... saw, you could see some names, at least yeah. one other, in the pilot. But yeah, I don't. They are know the what Acropolis, are. okay, the Atlantia, the Columbia, the Pacifica, mm. the Pegasus, the Riken, and the Triton. And here's the weird thing: Riken means nothing. The others all have some relevance to something, but the Riken is nothing. It's not from mythology. It's not. Yeah, what is that name? I I, I couldn't when I heard it I, and said, "Oh, it's a battle star." I I could not pin it to any kind. 
anything that would fit in terms of the universe that we've been sort of given. I mean, Pegasus, okay, mm-hmm. it's it's a constellation. Okay. Atlantia, okay, that's kind of going off into another direction, but okay, I can sort of see that work. Same thing with Pacific. Pegasus is mythology. Yeah. Oh, that, uh, yes, right. Yes, Pegasus is mythology. Triton is mythology. Mytho- mythology. Uh, Atlantia and Pacifica, names of our oceans, but yeah. our oceans are named for Latin, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Atlantic so, and Pacific. Yeah, so I have a, I had a little bit of a hard time with that one, but I was letting it go. Riken, no way. I, I can't. I, I can't make that one work. No, and and you won't either because I that was part of the research. I tried to figure out where that came from, and it turns out quite a few people online have been trying to figure that out, and no one has a clue. Mm. There is nothing. There's like a Norwegian company that makes aesthetic arms or something by that name or it's just it's just weird stuff but no there's no mythology that doesn't appear to be any word that they could track it down to it's just they just were having a couple beers in the staff writer's room and apparently came up with that name so uh anyway fascinating trivia there folks those are the battle stars that we know eight of them including the galactica last thing i have the celestra mm-hmm. flies by stick yes and when there's nobody holding the stick the ship goes into a nose dive well the com- the control had been shot at oh but okay what is a nose dive in space well that's true i mean and, and i did notice that so i'm not giving it a pass i'm just pointing out it did get shot so it was flying off at some strange direction that uh they didn't want it to go. That's it. It felt like it felt like there was peril there. Yeah. Right. It, it felt like if we don't get that stick back over in the threaten level, we're all dead. That's what it felt like. But I'm thinking, don't wouldn't your computers tell you what direction you went and how far? Well, those got or, shot up too. Everything got shot up. So it's also interesting that they were out of radio range of the Galactica. Is that correct? Yes, they were. When they were stopped? So they only stopped for two hours, and the entire fleet got far enough away, two centons, mm-hmm. that the entire fleet got far enough away that they couldn't reach them by radio range. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Yeah. I I got nothing. This, the this the is, episode is just, it's, it's, the word that comes to mind is vapid. I don't know why. But it, it's I, just, I, I just sat here, or, or sat you're watching it last night, and thinking, I, I mean, it's not, it's not naked Montague bad. <laughs> I didn't hate it. Excuse me. Um, no, yeah, not that. But it was just, I don't know what it was about it, except that it, it made me nauseous. <laughs> okay, I would, I would put that in the bad category if it made you nauseous. Uh, but uh, uh, well, that's because the ship was plunging down, and it, well, you're all off balance. Well, and yeah. the fact that just everybody on. And the episode was stupid. Mm. Mm. Except Cassiopeia. Yeah, she was the only one who wasn't. Imagine that. She was on, was on the ball. Yeah. Hey, leave it to the social later. Um, what's next? Is it the hand of God? Yes, it is. The hand of God. All right. Well, oh yeah, looking at the counter there, we've racked this one over in a quick one. Um, Holy cow, we have. <laughs> ne- never let it be said that we drag these podcasts out longer than we need to. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we do. But uh, anyway, 
Ken, thank you for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. And listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Cheers. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.